Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. Hello, and thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us some of your time today. This is episode number 77 of The Next Track. Speaking of time, if you want to spend a little bit more time with us, head over to our website where you can leave comments on the show, offer us some suggestions via our feedback form. We're at thenexttrack.com, and we hope to hear from you. Have you been listening to any music this weekend, Doug? I have. I've actually been listening to a lot. AM radio? Almost. AM, if it stands for Apple Music. How long has Apple Music been out? About a year? A little over a year, right? A year and a half, right? It was June of last year. And I have to admit that back in the day, when streaming and subscription services were starting to become available... I was in that group of people who said, I will never subscribe to a streaming service where I have to rent my music. And I didn't make a big noise about it, but I used to watch on the internet these people who agreed with me. And one of the early proponents of subscription services was Chris Breen. Yeah, Chris used to be one of my editors at Macworld, and he now works for a fruit company in California. So he was, he was one of the early proponents of like, look, this is a great thing. You pay a certain amount every month, and you can listen to lots of different kinds of music, maybe some of it that you would never even bother to own. But I think back then, I was thinking my whole entire source of music would be this. Would And I was afraid that if my only source of listening to music was streaming, and for some reason or another, the company went under or I stopped paying, I would lose my entire record collection. And that's essentially the argument that people were making back then, which seems kind of silly to me now. Because now I've come to see streaming of any sort, not just Apple Music, but streaming of any sort as just another musical option. I've still got all my files. I've still got all my CDs. I even have a couple of LPs that I won't be able to ever play again. But, I mean, I still have all the music that I ever liked. And I find that Apple Music is much easier to use than I thought it would be. They've made it easier to use in the past year or so. And I I find it a lot of fun to when I when an album that I haven't heard in a long time pops into my head I can go oh I can go listen to that right now I'm not going to necessarily want to own it I'm not going to necessarily want to listen to it 16 17 18 20 30 times in a row I just want to hear it that once and then I don't have to hear it again for another couple of years if I don't want to so I'm in I've been finding that Apple Music uh, it's giving me a really nice selection of music to listen to that I and with opportunities that I didn't have before. Yeah, we talked about this a number of times on the show and privately, and, and both of us sort of felt the same way that we have these record collections. And I, I think one of the big problems when Apple Music came out was that Apple made the promise that you could combine your existing collection with all the music in the cloud. And both of us, we had, you know, disastrous experiences with that. It would change the metadata on your tracks. It would mess up your playlists. And that, to me, turned me off the whole concept of streaming. But in recent months, I've been doing like you. I've been going to Apple Music, and particularly since the last update in the summer, when they changed the interface, when they made some of the ways of using it a little bit simpler. I'm finding I'm using it a lot more now and listening less to my large iTunes library I tend to not listen to music on Apple Music that I own. If I own the music, I'll go to my library and listen to it. And mainly for the reason that it increments my play counts and my last played dates. And I like every once in a while to see what I've listened to recently. The thing is that since I can't trust iCloud Music Library with my own personal library, I listen to Apple Music 
on my iMac, which is where my main library is, but I don't have iCloud Music Library on. So the two are not commingled. I think it's an interesting distinction we should make because you and I are different from a lot of people who use streaming services. We do not commute. Yes, good point. We work out of our homes and we do not rely on our mobile phones for many needs when we're away from home. So we don't listen to streaming the, the way I would think most people do and that's as like a portable radio. That's kind of how I think about streaming on the mobile. So we're at home and we have all these sources of music that we can pick and choose from whenever we want. But for most people who are mobile and are commuting or traveling or whatever, their phone is the only connection to any kind of music collection. So it's it's important to, you know, for them to, to have that. You know, one thing I don't do is I don't add Apple Music to my library. I just listen to it. But if I come across a, an album that I like, I'll purchase it. But I won't add the Apple Music tracks to my library. Right. So I'm actually doing both methods. My main library doesn't use iCloud Music Library. So when I'm listening to music from my iMac, which goes through the stereo in my office, I can't add music to my library. So you have to have iCloud Music Library to do that. However, what I'll sometimes do is go to my iPhone, which has iCloud Music Library, or my laptop, and then I'll look at what I've recently played and I'll add some of the albums to the library. Now, two reasons for this. One is maybe I want to come back to that Murray Pariah recording of Bach's French Suites that I listened to last week. And if I see it in the library under recently played or recently added, I'll be more likely to find it. The other reason is when you add music to your library, it helps the Apple Music algorithm to recommend more music to you. Now, if Apple Music were only to recommend music for me based on what I've bought from the iTunes store, the vast majority of that is Bob Dylan because I bought that Bob Dylan collection eight or 10 years ago, it was like 800 songs. I bought the U2, complete U2, back when they released that for my son. And I've bought a lot of stuff, but I bought a lot of music from the iTunes store for my son when he was a teenager, when he was buying Britney Spears albums. So if Apple Music was only recommending music based on what I had purchased, and I didn't add anything to the library, I didn't love anything, then my recommendations would be horrible. And we spoke about the Apple Music recommendations maybe a year ago, and, and I was having so many problems that the recommendations were all over the place. And, and you posited that it could be that my tastes are all over the place. But it's gotten a lot better now that I've been using it more. And I think this is the thing with any sort of algorithm. The more you use it, the more appropriate the recommendations are going to be. Yeah, I found that too. It's like, it, But it just takes time. You've got to, the more you use it, the more you'll use it because you'll find that it's it's giving you some very interesting selections. Although I still find that it's it still says, so you like ZZ Top, perhaps you'll like the Allman Brothers. And I'm like, wait a minute, ZZ Top <laughs> and the Allman Brothers. I mean, if you're a, a, a pedestrian rock listener, yeah, if you like ZZ Top, you might like the Allman Brothers. But to me, ZZ Top and the Allman Brothers are two completely different kinds of bands, and I would never put them in the same box. That, that's like saying, if you like the Ramones, you'll like Kiss. Exactly. And and because it's for you, I almost take it as a personal insult that they make these recommendations. <laughs> but at least they're trying. And I think for most pedestrian listeners, at least ones who like classic rock, they would say that ZZ Top and the Allman Brothers and Kiss and the Ramones are perfectly adequate uh, recommendations. It's just that it's too, uh, the, the genre is too broad 
for me to appreciate. But I do like some of the recommendations some of the time. And it's worth pointing out that one of the changes that they made a few months ago was they they now provide three mixes, which, which they call their sort of algorithmically determined playlists. And one of them is a new music mix. And I think you're like me, you never listen to it. I, I look at that thing, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, there's artists I've never heard of, they're not organized in any way. Uh, I think I listened to a couple tracks in that once. The next one is the favorites mix, and that is really quite extraordinary. Mine right now is an hour and 50 minutes, and what they do is they pick songs that are in your library, that you've purchased, that you've loved, or that you've rated, and I'm just looking through mine. There's not a single song that I would skip if I were to put this on right now. I find that with the uh, with the favorites mix, it keeps playing the same unusual songs. Like it does throw these curveballs in there, and I say, "Wow, I haven't heard that." But then it pops up again a month later. So it's the same song. So I'm a little disappointed in favorites. Ah, okay. So I don't listen to it enough for that to happen, because there's another way that you can listen to your favorite music, and that's by creating your own radio station. Now, this is actually interesting because it doesn't work for me in iTunes. If you're on an iPhone and you tell Siri, play some music, it will start playing what is, in my case, Kirk McElhern's radio station. It's going to show up in the recently played in Apple Music, but I'm clicking it right now in iTunes, and it starts and then it stops. And this huh. has been the case since the beginning. It only seems to work off my iPhone. That's a bummer, man. That's a. It's actually a pretty good feature. Um, it'll also be listed in the radio section, I think. You should try it there. Right. So if I go to radio and I click it, same thing happens. It starts playing and then nothing. Um, and, oh, here's Doug Adams Station, which I listened to a couple months ago when we were talking about this feature. Link in the show notes to that episode where we talked about the new features in iTunes 12.7. And it just doesn't seem to work anymore. But it does work on the iPhone, and it plays an interesting selection of tracks, which isn't quite the same as the favorites mix. It's broader. And, and I can listen to that. I'll skip a, a fair amount of stuff originally when this started it wasn't playing any classical music but it is now so it's going to play like the third movement of a piano sonata which on its own just doesn't make any sense so i will skip that sort of music but otherwise it it's a nice selection of of songs it's it's also especially interesting to me that the playlist or the list of songs is now the lingua franca of music listening it used to be albums, and then it was singles, and then albums came back for a little while, and then singles came back for a while, and now it seems like the playlist is the thing. You can create them in Spotify and share them. Can't quite do it very well. Well, you can do it to some degree in Apple Music. And then when you take also take into consideration these these multi-room speaker systems that, that can use streaming rather than radio, I, I mean traditional terrestrial broadcast radio, people are finding that it's... It's nice that it's a nice in between. It's not com music that you've had to uh, to pick yourself completely, and it's also not music that's been picked by someone else. It's sort of in between there, and you can also decide to eject a song, for instance, or reject a song. Um, and when you're listening to a radio station, if you hear a song you don't like, you either change the station or or just keep listening until a song that doesn't suck comes on. But with a playlist. You can say, that song's okay, maybe I'll listen to it again. You can skip over it or skip over any number of them or rearrange them yourself or add them to your library. So it's it's a much more interesting and easier way. And I think, you know, when we were teenagers, I remember sitting around, sitting on the hood of our cars, listening to radio and saying, you know, if I had my own radio station, I'd do this. And people can kind of do that now. So it's very interesting. And, and I've been seeing some articles in, in radio industry publications um, where – where consultants are suggesting that maybe radio stations ought to get into the playlist business. 
get you know starting to make these playlists available to your listeners online rather than you know trying to just stream your regular programming online. Bigger radio stations do it. There's iHeartRadio in the United States that does it very well. Um, but other stations, order, order, on, a, on a local, smaller level, should begin to do this in order to attract listeners. In, in order to enhance their brand, you're saying? Yeah, well, exactly, yes. To say ultimately. that our radio station, WXYZ, has the best playlists. Yeah, and I think one of the problems is that uh, the radio, this is parenthetical to our discussion about Apple Music, but radio has been in denial about internet music for a really, really long time. And they're only now just realizing that, uh-oh, maybe we should have got on board with this a while ago. <laughs> um, and so part of the problem is, is that, you know, people don't see radio as an option and it's the internet where they do get their music. So radio's got to figure something out. A Apple Music playlists are interesting. So again, you get a number of recommendations, you get albums, you get playlists, I mentioned the new music and the favorites mix, and there's another one called the chill mix, which is sort of, well, chill music, relaxing music. And this is a bit strange the way it works. But then you get playlists. Every day of the week, it changes. And for me this week, we're recording on Monday, and my Monday's playlists include classic rock for the whole family, Dreaming with Debussy, Heartbreak Hotel, which is tear-jerking classes for the lonely hearted, Best of Drone, Best of Ambient, and Timeless Sacred Music. Now, obviously, these are based on the music that I listen to and I like and all that, and I do like Drone and Ambient. Not too cool about the Heartbreak Hotel thing, and I guess I do listen to classic rock, even though I don't really think so. So these these playlists are sort of subgenres would be the best way to describe them. And then they have these artist playlists, and so I've got one today about Robert Johnson, another one about Bobby Keys, the sax player who's well-known for having played with the Stones and, and similar playlists like that. But it seems to me that these recommended playlists are too... They're too vague. They're not... Sometimes I'll put on one of the, I don't know, Best of Ambient would be a way to... You know, maybe discover a couple of ambient artists I don't know, but I'm very unlikely to put on these playlists. I, I don't know. Do, do, do these playlists work for you? Some of them do. Some of them don't. Um, the ones that work are, well, maybe it's me. I'm not in such a hurry to listen to new music as much as I used to be. Uh, I'm still interested in discovery, but you know, the funny thing is uh, if I see a playlist and there's stuff in it that I don't know, I don't want to listen to it. Yeah, same Which here. is maybe that's just the old guy in me. It's like, I don't want to listen, but I do like to listen to new music a lot. And this weekend, actually, I listen to a lot of new music. Um, I get, maybe I haven't learned how to use the playlist correctly. Maybe I'm just an old fogey who's like, nope, just give me the albums. And I just want to hear the album. I know what album I want to listen to. I want to listen to the album all the way through these the playlist idea, it still reminds me of radio, which I don't care for because I still, I want to program it myself. I'm still of that mindset of the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the turn of the century iTunes user where I get a bunch of music, I create my own playlist and I listen to it. Uh, having an algorithm do it is fine. I get used to that with Pandora, but I've, I, I do tend to avoid them unless I really am into discovering new music at that moment, but I don't go listening for new music very frequently. So here's an interesting point. Unless I really want to listen to a specific album, I basically limit my interaction with Apple Music to the For You tab. I rarely go to the Browse tab, and the only times I will is to see if there's any interesting new jazz or classical music. I don't browse rock. I don't browse any other genre, Americana, indie. I don't even, what the heck is indie music anyway anymore? 
So I will look for, for new jazz and new classical music. Other than that, it's for you. If Apple Music recommends something and it clicks, I'll listen to it. If not, I'll go back to my music library. Yeah, I use either the search to find an album that I either just read about or I've thought about. and But For You is where I hang out too. Very rarely go to the radio section either. Never. Um, although I've got a few radio stations I've made, but I've never been happy with the radio stations I've made. Again, it comes up with stuff that I don't think fits into the stream. Well, with the exception of that personalized radio station, which doesn't work for me in iTunes, and I do have a bunch of radio stations that I created just to try them out, but they're just not, as you say, they just don't work right. And I've tried some of Apple Music's radio stations, like Pure Jazz Radio, and I end up skipping so much. Fortunately, you can skip. Back in the early days of iTunes Radio, you could only skip, I think it was six songs an hour, but now you can skip unlimited. But I just don't find that that works, and, and I, I don't know if the radio, other than Beats 1, is, is a popular thing. I'm still surprised that Apple hasn't come out with Beats 2, Beats 3, Beats 4, etc. Yeah, when Beats 1 first came out, it was uh, so there was some discussion, anyway, about doing additional Beats stations, but I don't know whatever became of that. You know, the other thing about Beats 1 is I rarely see them mentioned outside of, like, their Twitter feed or... Or anything like that. The industry doesn't talk about it. Yeah, or Apple's advertisements, or or if you do go to the main page of the browse section, you generally there are a couple of bricks up on top. I'm looking this week. I don't see any, but there's usually a brick. There's almost always a picture of Zane Lowe standing next to some 22 year old female singer looking like the creepy uncle at Thanksgiving. But other than that, there is really very little mention of Beats One outside of that radio tab. Or I'm not even seeing anything here on the main browse page this week. Well, you know, Beats One, it doesn't suck. Uh, it's good content. They've got some good shows. They've got some good personalities. They're all done really well. There's lots of great music, lots of great guests occasionally. It's just that I'm not sure what kind of impact it's having on the industry. But if it's your cup of tea, it's good stuff. So another thing in the For You section that I actually do pay attention to, it's all the way at the bottom. You've got to scroll down to the new releases area. And these are albums. And if you click on See All, you'll see the new releases for each week that correspond to your musical tastes. Now, for me, there are only three albums this week. And the week before, there were three. And there was only one the week before that. I find it a bit surprising that they can't find more new music to recommend. Um, the most I'm seeing is about five weeks ago, there were eight albums that they recommended. I do find a lot of interesting music in the new releases, surprisingly. Yeah, I've seen, I, I do get stuff that's directed to me that seems right, but I hadn't noticed this uh, this weekly breakout thing, nor had I realized that so few things are being rec recommended to me as new. You'd think it'd be a lot more. With all the music that's released, yeah, I would expect a lot more. To be fair, though, if I'm looking at if I scroll on the main tab, the main For You tab, it's about 15 albums, and I've listened to half of them. So they're really that close. There was a Your McCalkinen live album. There's a new album of lute music that I like. There's a Tangerine Dream album. It wasn't very good. There's an Art Pepper album. There are lots of things that I've listened to out of this. So they are picking the right kind of music. But there's really so little that it's, you know, I'll look once a week and then I'll ignore the rest of it because I know that things don't update often enough. Well, I also wonder if it would be overload. Now, think about you and I are are different from I think regular music listeners in that you know they're not they're not mavens about it. And to see a dozen or so records that they might be in, uh, records, 
a dozen or so albums that they might be interested in is probably just enough. I mean, how much new music do you want to listen to? When I was in radio, we wouldn't add a ton of new music a week, maybe three, four songs a week if we were playing new music. We didn't. You can't add too much new music. So maybe that's the thought there, that too much would, would be too much. You know, that reminds me of another thing. One of the things that Jim Dalrymple was complaining about when we had him on the show talking about um, changes. He was he didn't like the idea that music wasn't being recommended to him to purchase that he liked yeah. in the same way that music is being recommended just to listen to. And it seems to me that I mean if I were a record label I would I would think you know it's great that you guys are, are recommending our our new releases in your Apple Music streaming section but wouldn't it be great if you could link to where they could buy them? And I don't know why that doesn't cross over. I, I still haven't quite figured that out. Yeah, that's a really good point. There is no way, and it's been like this since the beginning, there is no way to get from Apple Music to the store. I'm just looking at an album here that I listened to this morning. If you click the little ellipsis button at the top right, you can add it to the, your library, to a playlist, playlist, love, dislike, etc. There's a share album, but there's no view album on iTunes store. And it's almost as if Apple has created this this brick wall between the two of them, assuming that the people who listen to Apple Music simply won't buy anything, so we don't want to get in the way, and that the people who go to the iTunes store aren't going to be streaming. And, and I think this is a bit of a mistake. If I see something in the iTunes store, I might want to check it out over and above the 30 or 90 second previews that you can get. But there's no way to... F- to go from an album to stream, and there's no way to go from the streaming to the store. And it's it's a strange business concept that you've made this big shopping center and you can't get from one to the other without, you know, going outside of the mall and going around the back and coming in again. Yeah, you have to you have to jump through hoops to actually make a purchase, whereas they should be making it as easy as pie to make a purchase, especially when the music is so perfectly selected. I mean for all intents and purposes, if I were if I needed to buy the music that I was listening to on Apple Music, I'd be buying a lot of music. Um, as it happens, I'm just paying the $10 fee a month to have access. But seriously, I think I would have made a lot more purchases with this recommendation algorithm uh, had it only been available for purchasing. So I, I, I do wonder why there is a separation. That's that's a good point, and and I'd always noticed in the iTunes store that what the few recommendations that it made really weren't very helpful. There was a time when you could get email uh, alerts when new artists came out with new albums or singles, and and there was a setting someplace to send you alerts for all of the artists whose music you'd purchased, and this worked for a while, and then it got removed. So there really is no. They really don't want you to buy music anymore. Now, maybe this is not only the way people are listening to music that's different, but maybe it's more advantageous for Apple to be renting you the access than to be selling you the music. It's not that they're saving on bandwidth, because every time you listen to a song, you've got to download it. Although, if you listen to it a second time, it's cached. But maybe the whole purchase process is much more complex for them on the back end than the streaming process. Or, or it could be there could be legal entanglements too. Maybe the streaming and the and the purchasing thing. Maybe they just can't get it together. Maybe the deals they have are with different 
organs of a label or something. Maybe maybe we don't know. I don't think so, but I don't see any logical reason why it wouldn't direct you from streaming to buying. You know, don't other services offer a buying option? I, I haven't checked in a while, but I thought Pandora did, and I thought maybe Spotify did. I'm not sure, though. I'm pretty sure you used to be able to buy music from Spotify, but I've used it so little that I wouldn't be able to guarantee anything. So there's another part of Apple Music, then, and I wonder if you use it at all, the Connect. So Connect is this thing that's sort of like mini Facebook posts. I don't. I They sign me up for stuff when I buy something they sign me up and they and they connect me to that artist and is there i think there was a way to shut that off like automatically connect with artists you purchase or something did i see is that a thing somewhere it might be because i see i see the i don't use it um i much prefer the the follow the followers thing to see what other people are listening to but i'm not really that much interested in getting information about artists maybe that's a thing or it seems to me it would have been a thing many years ago. It doesn't seem to me, I mean, you can get information about an artist in so many different ways. Getting their, 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 their connect feed through iTunes doesn't seem any much more advantageous than actually following them on Facebook or Twitter. You're going to get the same information or following them in a fan magazine or however people get information about their favorite musicians. I don't know. Well, the information that goes on, I, I very rarely look at connect, but the information that shows up is pretty useless. It's Okay, I've got Blue Note Records. Well, here's a new album by Lou Donaldson. It's called The Scorpion from 1970. Well, it's from 1970. It's not a new album. And it's just basically saying, here's the album, there's nothing else. And you can play it. So all it is is a label or an artist trying to get you to click to listen. It's it's not like there's more than a paragraph of information. And here's one, Max Richter. Wow, there's a new album out. Nothing else. So it's just basically... A press release. It's not even a press release because some of them don't even say anything at all. So I really find that pretty useless. Yeah, I, um, I don't look at it. So I find it interesting that both of us who were so reticent about this, and, and we could have almost started a streaming sucks movement a year ago or two, both of us have sort of succumbed to this new method of listening to music. I can't say it's better. I can't say it's worse. Um, one thing that I do find is that I am listening to more obscure music that I don't own that I wouldn't listen to otherwise. And, and I think for that alone, it's an advantage. On the other hand, I'm buying a lot less music. So bravo, music industry. That's true. I'm buying less music, but I seem to be able to listen to more of it. I like Apple Music. I like that it's an adjunct to iTunes, which is handy because I'm in there a lot anyway. Um, I find that the For You section and the other sections, the Browse section, uh, is surprising and delightful enough that I keep returning to it. So if you haven't tried Apple Music or you haven't tried it in a while, check it out again. I think you'll find it uh, pleasantly flexible. In fact, doesn't Apple have a patent on surprise and delight? <laughs> All right, we've gotten to the part of the show where we present our next tracks. Kirk, what you got cooking? So this week I've been reading a book of selected letters by John Cage, the composer. And when I read a book about a composer, a musician, or whatever, it just kind of makes sense to be listening to music in the background, doesn't it? So I was listening to a lot of different recordings by John Cage, things that I don't own, things that are on Apple Music. And then I went back to what was the first record with a John Cage piece that I ever bought. It contains his string quartet in four parts. It was recorded by the LaSalle Quartet in 1976. It's on the Deutsche Grammophon label. Now, I honestly don't remember if I first bought this album because 
of the Cage String Quartet or because, on the other side, the Ludoslavsky String Quartet. But the Cage String Quartet stuck with me. It's, it's probably the piece by John Cage that I appreciate the most. It's, it's an interesting piece because it doesn't sound like a string quartet. And by that, I mean that there's no counterpoint. With a few exceptions, every note is all four instruments of the quartet playing at the same time, as if they're playing chords, and, and the tempo is very regular and the chords are dissonant or consonant. You could almost call it a plodding tempo, but it's not. It's really interesting music. It's about 20 minutes long. It's a fascinating piece he wrote in 1949, 1950. So it predates his use of chance operations. It's more intentional. It's just got a really strange sound for a string quartet where you used to, you know, that counterpoint where the cello is playing a bass line and the two violins are dancing above and all that. The Ludoslavsky String Quartet is less interesting. If you like his music, you might enjoy it. But I really think this is one of the, the most interesting early pieces of music by John Cage. So it's his String Quartet in four parts by the LaSalle Quartet on Deutsche Grammophon. Doug, I guess you found something on Apple Music too this weekend, didn't you? I did. I have. It's a band called Greta Van Fleet. That's the name of the band, Greta Van Fleet. It's not a person. And they are four guys from Michigan with a four-song EP called Black Smoke Rising. Now, I found them on the Apple Music playlist, A-List Rock. Apple Music has several of these genre-specific A-List playlists. And so I'm checking out A-List Rock in the background when I think I hear a Robert Plant vocal. And it sounded a lot like Led Zeppelin, but Robert Plant doesn't really do Led Zeppelin anymore. And if this was a Led Zeppelin song, then I'd never heard it before. Well, it was Greta Van Fleet doing their song Safari Song from this EP. Safari Song even sounds like a Led Zeppelin title. Now, a couple of weeks ago in this space, I mentioned a Rolling Stones tribute band that sounded kind of fun. But to call Greta Van Fleet a Led Zeppelin tribute band would be very insulting. They are post-Led Zeppelin. Now, I have a, a famous conversation starter that I've mentioned on this show a couple of times, and it's this. It confounds me that we are still very familiar with music from 40 years ago. And I think any list of albums released in 1977 would include a lot that is still familiar nowadays. But in 1977, it would have been very unusual to have the same kind of familiarity with the music of, of 40 years prior to that. That observation always cracks me up. Greta Van Fleet is an example of that. It's like the only music these guys listened to and developed their chops on were their dad's Led Zeppelin albums, and they emerged with this. I recommend it. Greta Van Fleet and their EP Black Smoke Rising is my next track. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.